I'm told that folks in this part of the country, especially around the D.C. area, will stay away from church when it's raining. So I'm really glad you broke through that demon this morning and, uh, and came to church. It's wonderful to see all of you. I'm glad you're here. Psalm 75. I'm going to jump right in because we, uh, got, got, we have a few things to do here after I've, sh- I've shared the word. Let me, uh, I want to tell you a story to set up what I'm going to be sharing this morning. And it involves a, an object that is oh, sort of controversial in our society. So if you'll ignore sort of the object uh, that I'm describing here in a moment, uh, then, then uh, you know, I think, I think it'll be applicable to what the Lord's uh, attempting to say to us this morning. I, I love to fly. How many of you love to fly? I love to fly. I like everything about it. I like that whole thing that happens where you take off in the rain, you get above the clouds, and suddenly, you know, you're in Hawaii or something up there. You know, it's beautiful. I like the, I just like everything about it. I like the smell of jet fuel on a cold night. You know, I just, uh, I like it. I like this whole thing and all that. I like all that. I like the way pilots talk. I just like it. I don't, I'm not smart enough to be a pilot, uh, but, I, but I love all that stuff. And part of what I like because I was raised in the military and I went a lot to a lot of high, highly disciplined schools, is I like the structure. I like the schedule. I like the fact there's times, you know, and there's, a, a, you know, things take off. I can almost get teary-eyed at the big board, you know, just with all the scheduling. I know it's a sickness, but some of you have it. And um, I, I, just, I just like all that. And I like the fact that things are made so everything fits, you know. My wife doesn't like to fly with me because I'll go, oh, look at the cool little bottle of syrup, you know, that they figured out how to make it and make it all fit, you know. And I can get irritated with people because, really, the luggage with wheels is meant to go on the right. I mean, really, that's where it's meant to go. And over here it's not. So, I'm, you know, I'm like roller derby with people. Um, and, and so I, I just I love it. I love everything about flying. And I actually, I actually, because I fly so much, I know all the rules. So I know when the man next to me does not have his electronic device in the off position. I'm aware that he has it only in airplane mode and has not, in fact, turned it off. Uh, I'm aware when the, when the seat needs to be fully upright. And I have a little thing I do with the flight attendant, like, you know, there's a criminal on the plane uh, because his iPad is still on. So I've done a lot of flying, love it, you know, given what I do, I do a lot of flying, I love it. Okay, so I like the structure, I like the way it works, I like the, you know, it's impersonal, but I like that. So a few years ago, well, quite a few years ago now, I, I had my first opportunity to fly on a private plane. And, and I, I've been choppers and other stuff, so it was really, it wasn't so much the elite kind of thing of it, you know, I guess that's an elite symbol in our, in our it was just the size of the plane and the jets and the size of the jets, and I'm just nerdy and know all that stuff, I like it, I'm interested in it. So it was a very, very famous person, and a very wealthy person, he had his own plane, G4, for those of you who don't know anything about that, and I was going to go, oh man, I was all, all excited, not because of the famous person who was a client, but because of of uh, just this cool, the plane, just the size of the plane. So the guy calls me, uh, and, he's t- and he's talking, and of course, I, I'm all geared up, right? Because I'm used to the structure. I'm used to the, to the timetable. I'm used to the thing. And I said, so when does the plane leave? And he, you know, he's kind of, he's very humble. But he goes, well, it'll leave when I, uh, when I get there. You know, it's, uh, it's like it's my plane. You know, and that's, I mean, that's what, he's try- that's what he's trying to say without saying it. I said, okay, well, well when, when, uh, when will that be exactly? I'm still, okay, let's go, man. God made time for a reason. And um, so, and he, you know, he's like, well, I tell you what, uh, when you finish that writing that you're doing for this, that's all, that is what this trip is about, um, you know, the, the pages you need to finish up here for this thing we're doing, uh, call me when you call me and, I, and, and fax it to me and I feel good about it, then I'll call the pilots and, and, and we'll go. 
I'm like, well, when will that be exactly? Well, when, when, I, you know, when, I, when I show up, I mean, he's just trying graciously uh, to say. And then he said, uh, now, uh, when you, you know, in the meeting the other day, you and Jimmy kind of went at each other a little bit. He said, I know it was in fun. I know it was about business. But, but would you call him and just make sure that you guys are good? Because he's going to be on the plane, and I don't want there to be a thing. Okay, I, I, that's fine. And then he said, when I was at your house the other day, you and your wife had a little bit of tension. Would, would, you, would you mind, or can I ask you to get that resolved before you get on the plane? <laughs> well, okay, uh, what now? Um, and then, this is, this, all this happened. Then he said, now I, he said, I, I love the fact that you've been in ministry and, and money hasn't been your main thing. Um, but, um, but uh, and, I, and, I, and I appreciate that you dress the way you do. But given where we're going, I'm going, well, what, uh, we're going to we're gonna have to change that. So I'd like to buy you uh, a suit. Um, and he stumbled around. He said some shoes. And, and he kept stumbling around like a tie and a shirt. And I'm thinking and a, a wig and a face and, you know, uh, everything else. And I'm like, what? You know, what? So he said, well, we just need to take it up a notch. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So, uh, so, okay, I get past all that. I don't know what's going on. Uh, so we get there. You know, this plane, was he built it custom for him, like the, the skin of the planes, like his skin tone. You know, the seats. This guy's a famous musician guy. You don't know him, but I'm, I'm not, I don't want to say who it is because that will distract us. So, like, the ribbing on the seats are like guitar strings, you know, and the, his initials are stitched in the leather on the seats. I mean, it's just, you know, it's insane. The, every seat's named for one of his guitars. The galley is named for his daughter. I mean, it's very precious, very precious. And, and so, you know, all is fine. We get on there, and I'm thinking, well, this is going to be kind of, this will be like an upgraded version of what it's like to fly commercial. So there's going to be some food. People will be bringing me stuff. This will be awesome. So we get on there. There's one stewardess, three of us. I'm thinking, I mean, I have to, like, tackle flight attendants on commercial flight. This will be awesome. She's staring at us. We sit down. Uh, this guy, he chucks me this bottle of water and an old hippie granola bar with no preservatives. I like the preservatives. No preservatives whatsoever. And says, we got to work on the way. I hope you don't mind. Two and a half hours. I'm, I'm almost in tears here. This is such a disappointing moment. So, oh, I'm just playing. So we, 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 so we work all the way there. You know, it's fine, whatever, you know. Um, everything is his. It's his style. It's his way. The seat, he's a little guy. So I'm like sitting in three of them, you know, and it's, it's a thing. We get there. We do the job. Coming back. Now, now the plan's changed. He has sent the a flight attendant out to get the food everybody, all three of the guys on the plane like. So I have a mountain of P.F. Chang's because P.F. Chang's is confirmation that the spirit is moving in the world. And so, uh, I'm just saying. So, all that. So, what I'm saying is that plane was about him. It was his plane. You got on that plane by having a relationship with him. You functioned in his world. You had to know him to be there and to operate there. You, had, you didn't understand that world unless you had a relationship with him. I was used to a cold bureaucratic structure. I was used to talking to a robot on the telephone and then sticking a piece of plastic into a machine and it would stick its tongue back out at me and I would take the thing and I'd go. And I didn't know anybody. I don't know the TSA guy. I don't know anybody. But when you stepped into his world, it was about having relationship with him. That's how you got on the plane. And, and, and he went to apparently upgrading me so I was worthy, uh, you know, to walk uh, on this plane. Now, the point is not the plane. The point's not my experience. The point is that 
the way that this plane was a world made by this guy that reflected him, that required relationship with him to be there, is exactly the way this world is. Because this world was made by God. It reveals God. It runs according to what he has determined. Uh, you, are, uh, you, you prosper and thrive and exist ful- fulfilled in it if you are in relationship with him. In a sense, this world... Does, uh, God spends all of his time in the Bible, most of his time in the Bible, trying to tell us that the world is not run by natural laws. Yes, we believe in consistent laws, but, but that's not the origination. The world's not run by pagan deities. The world is not run by chance. He runs the world. All things are held together by the word of his power. He talks about how he flung the stars into the sky. He talks about how the waves are according to his word. He orchestrates, created this world. It reveals him. It belongs to him. It functions according to the way he wants it to be. This world is a personal world, and it's personal to God. Now, we are raised in a kind of an airline system of living from the time we are born. Okay? No offense to the airlines, especially Delta, who I want to take care of, good care of me. Uh, but, but we are raised that way because we, our whole lives, we are taught and in a situation where there are people who have things we want and we've got to get them to fork it over, right? Uh, th- that's the whole thing. Mom has the cookie, coach has the role, the position, uh, the teacher's got the grade we want. Good morning, Mrs. Smith. You look awfully nice this morning. We learn how to work systems to get things done. And normally it's people who have, who can provide the next level or the access or the open door or the approval or the grade or the stamp or the seal or the promotion or whatever it is. But that does not serve us well later in life. Because if we perceive this world as in the control of of people who are around us, we will begin to live disillusioned, irritated, politicking, grasping lives. You understand what I'm saying? Because the people in your life are not in control of your life. They do not rule the world. They did not set your destiny. They do not know what you have been made to do. We love them. We honor them. We obey them, perhaps. We serve them well. You understand what I'm saying? There's no animosity, but they are not the Lord God of heaven and earth, right? And so the, the, the Bible tells us that when it comes to this issue of promotion, I'm using the word as broad as possible. Yeah, it could be about an upgrade in your job, but it's about everything that we want at a new level. I want a promotion now and that I want to be, I want to be more anointed, have more grace to impact lives. I'm really hungry to impact more lives. Uh, some of you are in jobs you're not happy about. Lord, Lord, I'm not made for, I'm made for something other than this. Move, move me to the next level. Break, break me out. You know, everybody in this room has got some area where you want to blow the walls out and move to a new level, right? in some area of your life. And if what we perceive is that human beings are the ones who have to give us that, and we got to get them to fork it over, then our whole life is about being men pleasers and about being disillusioned and irritated and about playing, basically being political and grasping. You, you understand what I mean? If you're working at McDonald's and the only guy who can get you to the next level is the manager of McDonald's, well, first of all, you're in trouble. But second of all, you are not as a believer recognizing that that manager, wonderful as he may be, as much as you want to be a good employer as a Christian, as unto the Lord, that man does not control your destiny. 
Your destiny is controlled by the Lord God. The Bible says, and I'm in Psalm 75, along about verse 6, just to be brief, I won't read the whole thing. I'm reading in Duke's version of the Bible. I think the NIV is the most anointed thing on the planet. Duke is still in bondage. I mean, Duke is using the King James version. I'll quote it in King James. It says in the King James, here, Duke, I'm not even going to look at the text because I haven't memorized. Promotion comes not from the east or the west. Now, the word promotion in Hebrew is a big fat word. It means every kind of upgrade, every kind of increase. Promotion does not come from the east or the west. A man does not set another man up, but the Lord, but I, the Lord, raise one up and put another down. I determine who is promoted in the broad sense. That, that's, that is what God is trying to get across to Israel. It's what God is trying to get across uh, to, to uh, almost, uh, almost every page of the Bible. you got the Israelites abandoning the Lord to go worship some fertility God or some wheat God or some, what, some other kind of God. And God is constantly saying, it is not pagan deities. It is not natural laws. It is not any kind of demonic thing you can get into. It is, I rule the world. Relate to me and I will take you where you need to go. Now, that, what the reason for that is that the world, is it's a personal world. It's governed by a God. It was created by God. It was created for him and by him. And you are rightly related to the world and, and accomplish what you are meant to accomplish in the world to the extent that you are rightly related to God. And that, that is a hard thing for us to learn. We live, like I say, in an age uh, of, of control and people and authorities and so on. But, but, but I want you to understand, God is in charge. He holds all things in his hands. And what you need and desire and dream of comes from him when you are rightly related to him. And I'm going to say it one more time because I think it's so important. If you don't understand that, if we don't live that out, if we don't believe that, then we become disillusioned, we become angry, we become bitter because someone's holding out on us. Someone's holding out on us. I like Hebrews 4.13. We know Hebrews 4.12. You know, the word of God is living and active and, and so on. You know that verse. We often don't listen to the second verse because we're busy with the first one. It's so powerful. Here's what it says. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now, that's the NIV. And Duke has already let me know that it's kind of, you know, of the devil. So here's the King James. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him with whom we have to deal. There it is. That's, that's, what the, that's really what the Greek means. With whom we have to deal. How many of you are using King James and you have that word deal in there? Anybody go, okay. With whom we have to deal. I like that phrase because it's also kind of our modern language too. You got, I mean, you know, if, if a guy's playing sports and some other guy's whooping and his teammates will say, you got to deal with him. It means you can't, you can't play this game going around this guy. You got to deal with him. Hit him, knock him out, date his girlfriend, whatever you got to do. Do something. Take, get this guy out of the way because he's killing us. Deal with him. Parent says, I will deal with you. You know, we freak out. Right? Deal with it. Or if somebody just whoops up, he dealt with him, man. Oh, he dealt with it. Okay. I like that it's modern, even though it's old. You got to deal with God. You, you're, you're not, you're, you feel constricted by your life and your job isn't right and and the things are not going well, and you got to deal with the Lord. It's the Lord who's going to bust that open. Now, you might have to learn some things. You might have to read a book. You might have to go to a seminar. God uses other things. But it is the Lord you have to deal with. 
And a lot of our training uh, we carry over into the church. And what happens is that we create a, a God who's also like Delta Airlines in our heads. He's the great slot machine in the sky. We, we, we need to prosper. Let's give him some money. Maybe he'll spit back 100 times more, right? That's slot machine theology. No, we got we to gotta have a relationship with him and know him and please him. I mean, I mean, I mean you got to deal with the Lord and let him deal with you. That's where promotion in the broad sense comes from. A lot of Christians have, have acquired kind of a uh, Christianity is all about knowing certain principles. And if you operate those principles the way you move around on the Internet by pushing the right buttons at the right time, well, like I say, that turns God into the great robot. Uh, the, the great slot machine in the sky. We are, we are relating to God who loves us and knows us. He's not holding out on us. He's trying to prepare us like that owner of that plane did, trying to prepare us for the next level. I love Ephesians 5.10, which says, find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases the Lord. I, 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 I'm, I'm crazy about my wife. We often have conversations where uh, when one of us gets the courage, we'll go, how can I be a better husband? Now, inside, I'm going, okay, go ahead, and, go, ahead and hit, go ahead and hit me. Okay, go ahead. But, but because it's not sometimes fun to find out, you know, that you're not measuring up in some way, although she's very gentle. I, I don't know about it. Some of you guys probably like me. Uh, I like uh, touch and massage and all that stuff. And my wife, whenever we sit down somewhere, her hand inevitably comes up and she works on my neck a little bit, like in a restaurant and stuff. And I'm like, you know, I'm just like a puppy, you know, I'm like, oh, yes. Well, so the other day, um, we were at a, at a, out with some friends and the guy reached over to his wife and began to massage her neck. And she's like, what, what are you doing? What? Get off me. You know, like the whole restaurant turned to look like she was being beaten to death. You know, he was just massaging her neck. Clearly, that's not what she wants. Right. I mean, clearly this guy, she goes, take that off the list. Whatever book told me to rub her neck. Whoa, no. I'm like going over to him like, yeah, right here. Right. Right there. Bev gets tired. Please. You work on this side. I mean, I, I'm in it. People don't necessarily like the same stuff, and not everybody's the same, and God is not a man, right? God is not a man. So God's not going to be fooled. Find out what pleases him. In fact, this idea of pleasing the Lord, watch this verse. I'm using the King James, Duke. Don't worry. Uh, Proverbs 16, 7. Don't, you don't have to turn there. I'll just tell you what it says. In the NIV that uh, Duke has forbidden me to use, it says, When the Lord takes pleasure in a man's way, he causes their enemy to make peace with him. But I like the King James. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. It doesn't say he jumps over everything and makes his enemies. He's no, no, no. From the man all the way out to his enemies, he blesses so much that even his enemies are at peace with him. How does that happen? When a man's ways please the Lord. And, and so what happens with us is we think God's holding out on us. When often what God is trying to do is just like that man. I was a little offended when he was calling me saying, I want you to change your suit and be nice to your wife and take a bath. I mean, it was like, what, who do you think I am? After, and, and what he was doing was preparing me for, in a broad sense, an upgrade. He was preparing me to go to the next level, right? Because he knew the world and I didn't. Well, let me give you just four things that I think are like that with the Lord real quick. Uh, n- number one. Because I, I, think, I think you want to please the Lord, and you don't just want to please the Lord because it gets you something. You want to please the Lord because that's the meaning of life. 
is to be in relationship with him and, and have him fulfill everything that you're made to be. And that, that's where blessing comes from. That's where life comes from. That's where transformation comes from. To deal with the Lord and to not see the world as a whole bunch of people holding on to stuff that you need to get. And somehow you've got to figure out how to manipulate them to get it. That's, that's not life. That's not life. Number one is this. We tend to see sin as nasty stuff that we're doing for which we're going to get spanked. That's, that's kind of how the church teaches it. That's kind of how it always is. But, but I want to suggest that sin really, from the very beginning, is about stuff that gets into your relationship and messes it up. Right? Isn't that what it really is? I mean, I mean, yeah, there's absolute moral law, and you've transgressed that, and you have all kinds of problems. But for a moment, think about sin in terms of something that busts up your relationship with God and ruins it. Well, I mean, that's what happened with Adam and Eve, right? I mean, that was the primary thing. So, so just take this and make this your prayer in the next few weeks. Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24. I love this prayer. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me. What, what, what are you praying? Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Find the bad stuff and beat me up for it. No, that's old, silly religious thinking. No, Lord, I want to be pleasing you. I want to belong to you. I want to be on your plane, so to speak, if I'm going to just work this analogy to death. I want to be, I want to be where you want me to be. I want to be in relationship with you. Scan me and see whatever it is that's messing up our relationship. Find the stuff that's offensive. Now, I'm not, I, you know, most of you, I assume, are like me. You're not doing any of the biggie sins. We're not doing the biggie sins. You, you know what I'm saying? Not that there are biggie sins, but just for the sake of this sermon. Uh, you know, there are biggie sins. I'm not, I wasn't drunk last night. I wasn't out with somebody else. I wasn't, you know what I'm saying? I didn't, I didn't steal or kill anybody. Last. I'm not doing the biggies, right? I didn't go around saying GD all over town or something. You, you understand what I'm saying. I didn't, I'm not doing the big honkins. I'm not breaking any of the Ten Commandments as far as, well, maybe the soft ones. You know, pride and, you know, covetousness. I don't know. Somebody's got a car out there I probably want. I mean, you know. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, but there's sin in my life. I've, I've got, I've, there's, sure there is. There's sin in all of our lives. I'm just not smart enough to find it. I'm just not smart enough to find it. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not smart enough to figure out what it is. So I want the Lord to scan me and tell me. All right? Now, number two is this. For many of us, please hear this because this is so the key, and I'm going to just close in a few minutes. For many of us, the issue is an ordered life. You know, the Bible talks about our life being ordered. It's not a legalism. It's, it, it's, it's really based in, a, in the scripture, uh, Psalm 50 and verse 23. The Bible says, to him who orders his life rightly, I will show him the salvation of God. What's that mean? God, God's put boundary on our lives. God's, God's put priorities on our lives. God, God's not a harsh taskmaster. He's not, he's not trying to overload us. And, and if we can't deal with the things we've got now without it crushing us because we don't live within boundaries, he's not going to take us somewhere to another level because he loves us too much to do it. You're praying for God to use you as the great evangelist to Australia or something. And then here at GCC, they give you a, a Sunday school class. And you are such a workaholic, you haven't seen a good night's sleep in three months. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you are rude with your spouse. You are neglecting your kids. You've gained 40 pounds because Sunday school class. Oh, you know. God is not taking you to the next level because he loves you. 
You've got to deal with him. He's going to deal with you. He's going to teach you how to have a responsibility without it running you. Do you, do you, you, you see what? And then I talk about this all the time because I think it's one of the great things we neglect. We have got to learn how to observe the Sabbath principle in our lives. You've got to rest. Unless you are here and you are R2-D2, unless you are here and you are a robot, you have to rest. And when you rest, you say to God, my life is not about my labors. You provide for me. I'm going to sit still and Shabbat, to use the Hebrew word. you got to rest. You can't work seven days a week. It's not, it's not manly. It's not devoted. It's, it's wrong. The Bible says you're a creature. You need to rest one-seventh of your life, and that's not including the time you're asleep. Well, if already you're up all night for your cell group of ten people, God's not giving you England. You'll be dead in three weeks. You understand what I'm saying? You'll be dead so what he's trying to do when he says, order our lives, when we pray, order our lives, he's trying to teach us how to arrange our lives so that we can sustain the weight of what he wants to do. Some of what youth might think he's holding out on you about is actually his mercy. He doesn't want you to be crushed by what you're not ready to sustain. Me, I'm all of us. It's all, we're, all, we're all in the same thing. Two more things real quick. The Bible says that our love ought to constantly increase. You should be more loving than you were a year ago. Two years, you should be more loving than you are now. If what you're doing makes you so hard and angry and cynical that you are less loving, then God is going to keep you from it until, or keep you from the next level, until he's worked that love in your life. I love these ushers. I love the ushering program they have here. Well, these guys were sitting in the pews like you were you know, years ago, and then they began to usher. Well, if they start to usher, and, and what's walking through door number two over there makes them so angry and irritated and unloving, I cannot believe these people with these kids or with these umbrellas. I can, can you believe? They will not listen to me, and they're like hating the body of Christ you know, because they're ushers. The Lord is not going to give you the next level. You've got to love people more, not less, as you progress in the things of God. Right? Amen? Am I, am I, am I right? The keyboard player's up here going, I'm playing. Hallelujah. And these people are not following me. Doggone it. Hallelujah, Jesus. And I tell you what, these people, look at, look at what they're doing in the back. Look at what they're doing in the back. I cannot believe that they are messing with Look at that kid with the toys and all. You follow what I'm saying? The people with the hair. You, you understand what I'm saying? Pastors, too. And then finally this. Jesus loves you enough not to give you what you're asking for if it's going to mess up your relationship with him. My wife's career has got a lot of stuff going in it right now. She's, you, you know, if you don't know, it's not important. She has a career and doing very, very well. But we're making decisions together because we don't want to lose the love we have between us. We could both be so busy, we miss each other. I don't mean just miss emotionally. I mean completely miss, like ships in the night. If you love someone... The relationship central, everything's got to come afterwards. Everything else has got to come afterwards, right? Well, that's what Jesus will do. Hey, hey, if you just take it a Sunday school or a cell group caused, caused you to distance yourself from me, Jesus says, I'm not moving you to the next level until you learn how to sustain an intimate relationship with me and fulfill this next level. But let me tell you something. God wants you to fulfill everything he made you for. You just have to be in relationship with the guy who owns the plane. When the gentleman said, would you take care of this? Would you put on a new suit? Would you do this? Would you do that? He was trying to upgrade me for an experience that I was destined for, so to speak, in the sense that I'd been invited, but I wasn't prepared for.